Punk's thoughts on the WrestleMania 39 main event, as expressed by Joe Bob Briggs. I, I've got problems with this. WrestleMania. Two stars, and I'm being generous with the two stars. So check it out, and I'll see you at the first break. Gosh. Now, the people who make... AEW. They've got integrity. They made the exact same... Main event. Eight times. These... WWE. Jerkolas. They went Hollywood on us. They got stoked up on cocaine or something, forgot their roots. Excuse me while I take a moment to be appalled. Hey, guys, it's time for the Easter episode. Hey, on this episode, are we going to talk about something like the mechanical rabbit that we did last year on uh, Don't Scare the Hare? Um, no. Okay, so we must be talking about some sort of Easter parade, right? Something really festive, right? So we must be talking about some sort of TV cartoon uh, regarding the Easter Bunny, right? Uh, let me check. No. Then what are we going to talk about today? People coming back from the dead. Hey. If there was something that we needed a video podcast for for this spot, we'd have the gif of the what dog here. Boy, that really brought down my mood on this show. Oh, don't worry. It's a love story and a detective story. Oh, that's terrific. A love story and a detective story. Isn't that great, Mike? I want bunnies, though. Well, you settle for daisies. Just play the theme. An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. I give you Super Train! Episode 366, submission number 595. Pushing Daisies. Pushing Daisies aired on ABC from October 3rd, 2007 to June 13th, 2009 for 22 episodes over two seasons. That happens to be six more episodes than both the Husband Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show and Uncle Crocs Block. And this is the ninth episode that originates in 2007. There once was a pie maker who had a gift, a touch that brought the dead to life. The gift followed these rules. Touch a dead thing once, alive. Touch a dead thing twice, dead again forever. Keep a dead thing alive for more than a minute. Something else has to die. Brian Fuller, noted television writer and producer, has had experience up to this point on Star Trek Voyager, Dead Like Me, and Heroes. So it would stand to reason that he knows how to tell a very whimsically incredible story that is somewhat twisted. And it doesn't get much twisted than a pie maker with... An uncanny gift. 
You heard the narrator, Jim Dale, allude to it in the open, but there is more to it than that. Pushing Daisies is the story of Ned, a pie maker who's gifted with the ability to reanimate the dead by touching them. However, this gift comes with a catch. If something is revived for more than a minute, a similar life value in the vicinity drops dead as a form of karmic balance. And if he touches the revived person or thing a second time, as the narrator noted, first touch, life. Second touch, dead. Again. Forever. He uses this gift because his pie shop, the pie hole, that is the name of his pie shop, is... Wait a second, wait a second. Was this written by the same people who did Homeboys in Outer Space? No. <laughs> no they couldn't not. think of... They could not think of a better name for this shop than the pie hole. Than the pie hole. So they just <laughs> went with it. But yeah. The pie hole is doing just well enough to get by, so as a side hustle, he teams up with a local private investigator named Emerson Cod, and they have a pretty good thing going on. Ned would touch the dead body, find out who killed them, and collect the reward, which was enough to keep Emerson Cod in business as a detective and Ned in business as a pie maker. And for a while, it worked. Until he runs into his long lost love, Charlotte Chuck Charles. Before we continue, it should be noted that as a framing device, we have flashbacks to Ned and Chuck as kids. Uh, Ned first discovered this gift of his when he brought his dog Digby back to life. He also ends up bringing his mother back to life. And as a form of balance, Chuck's father dies. And as a result, Chuck's agoraphobic aunts Vivian and Lily move in to care for her. And Ned is sent by his father to a boarding school when Ned's mother kisses him goodnight. Having been given the touch of life already once, you can understand what happens next. Dead. Again. Forever. And in a bit of tragedy, Ned and Chuck would be forever separated until one fateful day when they find a case involving Chuck's murder. Ned revives her, but he can't bring himself to let her die permanently. So, Ned and Chuck fall in love again and try their best to figure out how to live their lives without touching each other. And although they can never touch each other, she moves in to his home. Chuck joins Ned and Emerson investigating deaths for the reward money, beginning with her own murder. And... From there on out, it becomes a bit of a whimsical fairy tale version of CSI, which would have been very popular at the time. Both whimsical fairy tales and CSI. 
And for a while, this show was doing incredibly well for itself. We'll get into that momentarily. But we have a couple of side stories while we're at it. Over the course of the series, Emerson searches for his missing daughter who is taken away by her mother, a con woman. After meeting a publisher of pop-up books, he's inspired to create and publish his own pop-up book, hoping his daughter will read the book and find her way back to him. And Chuck, meanwhile, struggles to keep the secret of her revival from Vivian and Lily, who slowly accept the death of their niece and become even more drawn in, except for portions when they bring themselves to step out of their own house and as far as their front lawn before running back into the house and hyperventilating. And rounding out the motley crew is a waitress at the pie hole, Olive Snook, who is rather taken in with Ned, the pie maker, and sees Chuck as a bit of competition. So a lot of things going on in this, and for a while, it seemed to do rather well for itself. I can tell you right now, it got 12 Emmy nominations for its first season, four wins for its second. But before it got a chance to go to a third, it was canceled. We'll get into that momentarily, but right now let's talk cast. Playing the role of Ned, the pie man, Lee Pace, who nowadays would be known as Ronin in 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Brother Day in nine episodes of Foundation, whatever that is. Hey, who could ever forget in Guardians of the Galaxy when Chris Pratt did that dance and he confused the hell out of him? He was also in all 40 episodes of Halt and Catch Fire on AMC. Playing Charlotte Chuck Charles, Anna Friel, a Briton by birth, so she had to affect a Midwestern accent for this show. But you remember seeing her as Holly Cantrell in the feel-good film of 2009, Land of the Lost. Oh, yeah, I forgot the 2009 Land of the Lost. Wait, I think I might have mentioned that in one episode, because it has the immortal line from Will Ferrell that I think has aged very well over the years. Matt Lauer can suck it! But ever since this episode, she went on to uh, do more series work as Nicolette Roman in Monarch, Marcella Backland in Marcella, and Erica Miles in The Girlfriend Experience. The movie or the show? The show. Playing Emerson Cod, Chai McBride. And what can we say about Chai McBride? Oh, absolute legend. Absolute legend. Oh, I know where I could start. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to hell for this, guys. He played the title character in eventual cover. Maybe we won't cover it because... God, we have to have some sense of taste and decorum. The Secret Diary of Desmond Pfeiffer. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not touching that. But as we all know, in the Clerks the Animated Series universe, it's a big hit to the point where it gets its own fast food restaurant. He's not wrong. 
not, no, he is not wrong. Okay, I'll give you a palate cleanser. On one episode of Married with Children in 1994, he played essentially a co-worker to Al Bundy. So, you know, over the years he had Griff and he had uh, some other people helping him out. He played Dexter, who was like the underling to Al Bundy at the shoe store. And the basis of that episode was Rick Dees actually called Peg Bundy and said, if you can get your husband home and have a nooner, you know, sex with him during lunch, that she'd win $10,000. Good luck with that. Spoiler, she did not win the $10,000. Darn it. Shocker, I know. You want another palate cleanser? He was on 160 episodes of Hawaii Five O, the reboot. And he plays Nick Fury in, among other things, Avengers Assemble, Ultimate Spider-Man, and Hulk and the Agents of Smash. Those are the Disney XD shows. Yes. And recently he did a voice of a judge on the Beavis and Butthead reboot. Oh, boy. Oh, that's right. And soon to get its second season. Coming April 20th. Yeah. Mike, you've been enjoying the Beavis and Butthead reboot. A little too much, yes. The old Beavis and Butthead kills me. You you warned me about that, Greg. That's great. Oh, boy. Old Beavis and Butthead is the best thing about this reboot. And, of course, when you have old Beavis and Butthead, you have smart Beavis and Butthead in the uh, spaceship. Maybe it's the space hoopty. Who knows? Oh, oh, way to call back to Monday's show, Mike. I can't get that out of my head. Space hoopty. Oh, oh boy. But, but smart Beavis and, and smart Butthead... That's amazing. That's called normal to us, but they're smart beavis and smart butthead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Playing Aunt Vivian, veteran of the stage, and also veteran of 11 episodes of Out of Jimmy's Head, Ellen Green, who, like we said, veteran of the stage. And the thing of it is, she was actually in Little Shop of Horrors in 1982. Off-Broadway. Four years later, when Frank Oz did the movie, they cast her in her role as Audrey. Yes! I didn't know until I researched this episode, that was Audrey? But they look so different. Yeah. But hey, whenever I think of somewhere that screen, I think of that rendition she did in the movie. But also... Guys, get ready. He rakes and trims the grass. He loves to mow and weed. I cook like Betty Crocker, and I look like Donna Reed. There's plastic on the to keep it neat and clean in the fine soul scented air somewhere that's green okay do you want to know what the most disturbing version that was from family I'm guy looking at it they had kids yeah. chris and herbert had kids how is that scientifically possible 
you're forgetting this vignette is a figment of Herbert's imagination. And in Herbert's imagination, he is a woman with an ample bosom. And let me add that this is the same show that somehow Stewie and Brian had babies. Hold on a second. Not only that, but Stewie named two of his puppies. Rose and Jack. Oh boy. Moving on. Playing Lily Charles, Vivian's sister. Swoozy Kurtz. Fresh off of doing Sisters. Sisters would have been done for like a good 10 years. What are you talking about? Okay, not fresh off of doing Sisters. How about that? Playing the role of young Ned is Field Kate. Didn't say much during this show. He was just being the stand-in for Ned while the narrator was talking about young Ned's life. But he did voice Buddha in both Santa Buddies and Space Buddies. And playing the role of young Chuck, Samantha Hanratty. She's been busy as of late. She is in the hit TV series Yellow Jackets. Oh, yes. That's a big hit I hear on Showtime. Yep. With Christina Ricci. Yes. And rounding out the cast is Olive Snook. Legendary actress slash singer of stage and screen, Kristen Chenoweth, the pride of Oklahoma. Did I ever tell you guys the time I heard Kristen Chenoweth sing the national anthem live at City Field at the 2015 NLCS? No, you didn't. Well, I heard her sing the national anthem. And let me tell you, in person, she is a Tiny woman. Oh, she's very small. Yes. Quite tiny. She's a little person, but she's got a big voice on her. Oh, damn, she does. Before we talk about what went wrong with this show, because it seems like this show could do absolutely no wrong with Brian Fuller as the writer and Barry Sonnenfeld as the director. You know, Barry Sonnenfeld from Men in Black and whatnot. Yes. Let's talk about the episodes. Episode one. Pilot. Oh, yeah. Pilot. Yeah. E-I-E-L-O-T. Yeah. Ned uses his unique powers to bring his childhood crush Chuck back to life and solve her murder. But he's also forced to keep his distance from her because if he touches her, she will be dead Again. Forever. We forgot to talk about the narrator. The show was narrated by Jim Dale, a comedian, a veteran of the Carry On films, and he played Dr. Terminus in 1977's Pete's Dragon. Episode 2. Dummy. You big dummy! The team investigates an unusual car manufacturer after a murder victim claims he was killed by a crash test dummy. Who knew those crash test dummies and those PSAs back in the 90s were actually real people that could kill? Who knew? And this was the first appearance of the coroner, first of many I should say, played by Cy Richardson, who is a that guy from that thing. 
But we do have somebody, a couple of somebodies in this episode. Three! Some, four somebodies. Four somebodies in this episode. Four somebodies. Four somebodies. Making his case for the Hall of Fame, playing Mark Chase, the head of the car company, Patrick Fabian. The smarmy head of the car company, I should say. Playing Genie, Ricky Lindholm, who is in Knives Out, the Lego Batman movie as Poison Ivy, and The Last House on the Left, but is known as Kimberly Harris on Duncanville. And then another off-sided comedian playing Rick, Matt Bronger, who was Dr. Samberly in five episodes of Agent Carter, and Gene Martin in all 19 episodes of Up All Night. Not that one, the other one. And playing Bernard Slaybeck, another guy who's working hard nowadays, Jonathan Mangum. And also making his case for the Hall of Fame. Episode 3, The Fun in Funeral. Emerson asks Ned to bring the funeral director he killed back to life, knowing that it will expose the secret about why Chuck is still alive. Olive also learns about Ned and Chuck's secret while delivering a pie to Chuck's aunts. The funeral director, man by the name of Alfredo Alderizio, played by Raul Esparza, who nowadays is a regular on Law & Order SVU. And playing Wilfred Woodruff, somebody we talked about on this show before, Eddie Shin from That 80s Show. And another known name in this episode, playing a woman from the 30s, Kristen Dos Santos, a uh, pop culture vulture and TV host for E! News. Episode 4, Pigeon. Emerson, Ned, and Chuck are on a case of stolen jewelry goods and solving a murder-slash-suicide case, as well as finding out about a missing prisoner. Oh man, we have another known name on this episode. Playing the role of Alcita in this episode, Jema Mays, a.k.a. Emma Pillsbury on Glee, the teacher that Will Schuster had an eye on, never mind the fact that he was married. Ooh. Was also in 2020's Bill and Ted Face the Music, if you're interested. Yeah, she was one of Bill and Ted's wives in Face the Music. Oh, hold on, I mentioned Face the Music. Mike, say it. Hey, Miss Ron Ely. A couple of Saved by the Bell veterans on this episode as well, playing a curator is Pamela Kosh, a.k.a. Mrs. Simpson. The Hard of hearing, teacher. And playing an old dead guy, Raph Morrow, who you would remember as Mr. Dickerson, the uh, teacher who had just about enough of everybody's nonsense, it would seem like. Episode 5, Girth. In this Halloween episode, Emerson and Olive track down a ghost who's been killing the jockeys at the old race arena where Olive used to race as a former jockey herself. With help from Ned and Chuck, they try to solve the big mystery. Several big names, and by several I mean three, playing Gordon McSmalls, 
who is a jockey in and of himself. Carlos Alazraki. Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life. Yes. And much more. Reno 911. Family guy. He was Mr. Weed. Peter Mr. Griffin's Weed. boss the first couple seasons. Yes. And playing Mama Jacobs, somebody we talked about recently, Barbara Barry. Barney Miller's wife. And Catherine Hicks' mom on Tucker's Witch. But we really know her best as Mrs. Barney Miller. Oh, of course. Of course. And playing John Joseph Jacobs, Hamish Linklater, a.k.a. Matthew Kimball from The New Adventures of Old Christine, or Andrew Keneally in Future Entry, The Crazy Ones, and, oh boy, Leonard in the 2005 Fantastic Four movie. So the story is basically Olive tells Chuck she knows, or she thinks she knows, that Chuck faked her own death when she hears a man named Lucas Shoemaker is dead, Olive hires Emerson because she thinks Shoemaker was murdered. So when Ned touches Shoemaker, he tells Ned he was killed by John Joseph Jacobs and that Jacobs will kill again. He also says Jacobs died seven years ago. What? It turns out that Shoemaker was a former jockey, just like Olive, and that they, along with two other jockeys, raced against Jacobs in the very prestigious Jock Off 2000 in which Jacobs fell and died. So it seems that the ghost is now out to kill all four of them. And, by the way, Lucas Shoemaker is played by Christopher Neiman, who is about as tall as a jockey himself. He played Salty in ten episodes of American Horror Story. Episode 6, Bitches. When a dog breeder is poisoned to death, suspicion falls upon his four wives, as well as the businessman who is planning to market his new breed of dog. Oh, I get it. This episode's about dogs. <laughs> Forget I had three wives. This guy's got four wives. Four wives. Four wives. In case you are wondering, they are played by Christine Adams, Lydia Luck, Jessica Lundy, and Jenny Wade. I believe we talked about Jessica Lundy before. Yeah, I think she's a known entity. She plays the voice of Caroline on the episode of Dinosaurs where Robbie got all roided up. No, he didn't get all roided up. He was on Thornoids. Not steroids. He was on Thornoids. Let's get that straight. Okay. Because and we can't play- say it on a Friday night on ABC. That's correct. And playing the role of the man who happens to be married to all four of them, Joel McHale. And this was the soup era Joel McHale. This was soup era Joel McHale, not community era Joel McHale. So Ned, Chuck, Emerson, and Olive team up to solve a case in the murder of Harold Hunden, a well-respected dog breeder whose prized dog, a bitch named Bubblegum. That's a good name for a band, actually. (laughs) That is a great name. A bitch named Bubblegum. Note to self, new name for a band. Becomes the world's first Collador Russell-a-Poo. Collador Russell-a-Poo. They learn from the momentarily revived Harold that his wife killed him. It's only later that they find out the prime suspect, Hallie, was not his only wife. Harold was a polygamist with four wives, and Ned finds himself in an uncomfortable situation after his kiss with Olive is revealed. 
Episode 7, The Sweet Smell of Success. A woman dies in a scratch-and-sniff book explosion. Was the scientist who wrote the book the target of the explosion, or was this part of an intentional publicity stunt gone horribly wrong? Maybe both. It's both. Playing the role of Napoleon Lanez, uh, one of the uh, higher-ups in this factory, Christopher Sieber, we talked about him on Two of a Kind, but playing the role of Oscar Vibenius, an expert in all things olfactory, that's all things having to do with the sense of smell, Paul Rubens. Yeah, Pee-wee. Pee-wee. So, Napoleon Lanez is a spell expert who is about to publish a self-help book on how smells can store beloved memories. And a few days before the release of his book, one of his students, Anita Gray, played by Sarah Jane Jensen, tragically dies in a mysterious explosion. Her mother calls Emerson, and he, Ned, and Chuck talk to Anita, who tells them she died while scratching a scratch and sniff patch of the self-help book. Emerson concludes someone was trying to kill Napoleon Lanez instead of Anita. Meanwhile, Ned and Olive still don't fully know how to react to each other because of their kiss, and to Ned's dislike, Chuck wants the pie hole to start serving cup pies. Not cupcakes. Cup pies. They're like pies, only cup-sized. Episode 8. Bittersweets. The owners of a new candy store hope to put the pie hole out of business. And when one of the store's owners turns up dead, Ned is wrongfully charged with murder. Tony DiNapoli is murdered and his girlfriend Tina Arangino is the suspect. She hires Emerson to prove her innocence. Emerson, Ned, and Chuck, looking just like Janis Joplin in this scene, talk to Tony and he tells them they were murdered by burly Bruce Carter who killed them with the hands of his girlfriend, a real doll. Meanwhile, the pie hole gets competition from Bittersweets, a candy store that is opened across the street, and whose owners make it very clear they'll do anything to put the pie hole out of business. To make matters even worse, Ned finds the dead body of one of the owners at the candy store at the exact moment the police enter the building. Uh-oh. 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 Playing the role of Dilly Balsam in this episode, Molly Shannon from SNL. And she's going to be hosting SNL very soon. That's right. That's right. Because she plays Florence Pugh's mother in that new movie, A Good Person. And playing Billy Balsam, who's some relation to Dilly Balsam, Mike White, writer of The White Lotus, and also a veteran of Survivor. Yeah. And I think, did he write School of Rock? He did write School of Rock. Yeah. That was Miranda Cosgrove's big pre-iCarly role. And we have a return engagement with Raul Esparza as Alfredo Alderizio, but playing Andrew Brown in this episode, Steve Hitner. This was before he became known as a that voice from that thing, because he was in Solar Opposites, Speechless, The Mayor, iZombie, Modern Family. He did play Floyd Gerber in five episodes of Hung. Oh, yeah. Um, that was the show with Thomas Jane, right? Yes. Get it. Yeah. 
Charles Robinson, do you know what that's a reference to? That's a penis. And it all comes to a head in the season finale. Or the- hey, 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 easy how you say that after talking about hung and that's a penis, saying it all comes to a head. Oh! <laughs> Episode 9, the season finale, or the unintended season finale, but the season finale nonetheless. It was the last episode to be completed before it went down in 2007. We will get to that, by the way. And it's called Corpsicle. Ned tries to make amends with Chuck after his confession, and Emerson finds a corpse in ice. After Ned told Chuck he's responsible for her father's death, she took off. Now Ned is looking for her in the wintry streets, unable to find her. Oscar Vabinius, however, is able to find Chuck and tells her he knows that she, along with Digby, has a secret that has something to do with death. With Chuck not being able to go to the pie hole, Olive makes the pie for Chuck's aunts. What she doesn't know is that Chuck's special ingredient is a drug. She thinks it's vanilla, and because she considers it rather weak, she puts in a lot more than Chuck usually does. So, the ants are knocked out but good. In the meantime, there's a case involving corpses of life insurance agents ending up in snowmen that needs to be solved. Grant Showed from Murphy Brown is in this episode as Steve Kaiser. Uh, Paul Rubens returns as Oscar Vibrinius. And playing Madeline McLean, Audrey Wazilewski, aka Anita Olsen Respola in seven episodes of Mad Men. And Pam Martin in 21 episodes of Big Love. And that pretty much does it for season one. And like we said, season one did pretty well for itself, considering it was up against Kid Nation on CBS and America's Sex Top Model on CW and Back to You Until Death on Fox. And let's not forget previous entry, Kid Nation. So this was before somebody got the idea to move Survivor from Thursdays to Wednesdays. So Pushing Daisies pretty much had the rule of the roost. But there was a show that it ran head-to-head against. Deal or No Deal. Oh. Yeah. And they basically locked horns for the 8 o'clock hour. I mean, there was... No way one was coming out on top of the other. And let us not forget, Deal or No Deal made Meghan Markle's career. But that was only for like half of the season because the other half, it was up against Phenomenon that did not scare up the ratings that Deal or No Deal did. And you would think that that would be, you know, not a problem. Except where it went up against Game 1 of the World Series. But it was just that one week. So 2007, that would be... Colorado and Boston, I believe. Yeah, Colorado and Boston. And Boston pretty much made really short work of Colorado. Well, they swept them, yeah. Yeah. But the lasting legacy is I still have somewhere in my basement from my relatives in Colorado a Colorado Rockies World Series Rocktober sweater. But yeah, Pushing Daisies did very well for itself. Unfortunately, it all came to a halt 
on December 12th, 2007 with the supposed season finale. So the question now becomes, what happened? Where do they go from this? And ultimately, why was Pushing Daisies pushing daisies? We'll talk about that after we talk about season two, right on the other side of these era-appropriate commercials. Christina Applegate comes to ABC as the good girl. Oh my God, I have a daughter? With a bad past. Samantha Who premieres Monday, October 15th on ABC. Start here. Wednesday, the creator of Grey's Anatomy delivers again. I saved her life. The most watched new show of the season. I'm a world-class surgeon. Is private practice. And I'm here to stay. A group of dedicated doctors. How do you tell someone that their baby was switched? Practicing more than just medicine. I am not jealous. Yes, you are. They're changing their lives. Take care of your poor little stripper girl and her tingling. An all-new private practice, Wednesday, 9, 8 central, followed by an all-new Dirty Sexy Money on ABC. Menards is where you'll always save big money. All Crestline and Peachtree windows and patio doors are 15% off. We have over a million size and style options, from vinyl to aluminum clad with hardwood interiors. Owens Corning 25-year architectural appearance Skyview shingles are $12.99 a bundle. Laminated 30-year duration shingles feature Surenail technology and a 110-mile-an-hour wind rating. With 12 colors to choose from, they're just $16.96 a bundle. Save big money at Menards. From Walt Disney Pictures, spend the holidays with a family that put treasure on the map. I need your help. Does it involve treasure? On December 21st. Another escape family quest. Mom. Walt Disney Pictures invites you and your family. To the golden man. On the greatest adventure. This is so cool! In history. Ben, wait, that could be a horrible trap. Sorry, I couldn't resist. <sighs> National Treasure. Book of Secrets. Rated PG. December 21st. Have you played a game today? Every new game your family plays is a new memory in the making. Sorry! Get together, have some fun. Share some laughs. And this holiday, tis the season for games. When you buy Hasbro games, you can get up to $71 back on Hasbro Visa prepaid cards. For more games and more fun, offer in December 24. When you play games, everyone wins. Now you can get yourself amped. The new iDog Amped. Two speak of something. Stereo sound bumping with head bobbing grooves. And foot tapping moves. iDog Amped. Little dog. Bigger bark. Each sold separately. MP3 player not included. Where we last left our story, the facts were these. Pushing Daisies, on at Wednesdays at 8 on ABC, was doing very well for itself, earning a second season renewal. But there was something looming on the horizon when 2008 showed up. Yep, it's another case of our good friend, the writer Strike. Having only completed nine of the ordered episodes for Pushing Daisies, ABC decided to hold 
the rest of the series for the already renewed season two. So no harm, no foul, except we were going to have to wait an entire nine months. In the meantime, we get Duel and Life Swap and a bunch of stuff that didn't require WGA talent. So here we are, waiting, 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 and then on the night of October 1st, 2008, Pushing Daisies finally returned. But would anyone else remember it? Buzz is episode one. The episode one is Buzz. 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 The gang tries to solve a murder of a woman who works for a company that makes beauty products from honey. And playing the owner of that company, Woolsey Nichols, French Stewart from Third Rock. Another big name on this episode playing the role of Betty B is Missy Pyle. Ned applies to Happy Time Temp Agency, which is the same temp agency where George worked on Dead Like Me to become a desk assistant at Betty's Bees. So a little bit of in-universe uh, playing there. I'm adding one more name. Okay. And there's only one reason I'm adding this name. And, and you'll know why when I mention the reference. In this episode playing Kentucky Fitz. Don't ask. I don't know the name. I don't care about the name. But the person playing Kentucky Fitz is Autumn Reeser. She was on the OC, but that's not the reason I bring her up. Greg, the reason I bring her up, she had a card in Americana Series 1. Oh, that's great. And make it even better. Within the last couple of days, I was doing a little bit of inventorying downstairs to see what cards I wanted to keep, what cards I wanted to get rid of. One of the cards that I have is an Autumn Reeser signed card. But there you go. There's tonight's edition of Were They in Americana? Yes, Autumn Reeser was. You're welcome, America. <laughs> Episode 2, Circus Circus. The pie maker and his friends solve a mystery in the most unlikeliest of places, the circus. And the name on this episode, George Ann Heaps, played by Rachel Harris. What hasn't she been in? Well, The Daily Show, The Hangover. Per the title, The Circus Circus is a pair of MGM Mirage Hotels at Las Vegas and Reno that offers a free circus and acts for the public. I was actually at the Las Vegas Circus Circus, the Adventure Dome at Circus Circus, to be uh, exact. They have really good vibes there. Episode 3, Bad Habits. Ned, Chuck, and Emerson go to Olive's Nunnery to solve a murder. However, Olive is nervous that she will reveal to Chuck the secret identity of her real mother. Couple known entities in this episode. Playing Sister LaRue, Mo Collins from Mad TV. Playing Hansel von Goetz, Graham McTavish. He's been in everything. He was in House of the Dragon. He played Sir Harold Westerling on House of the Dragon. 
He was in 31 episodes of Outlander, three episodes of The Witcher, and 42 episodes of Preacher. Yeah, he's been busy. And we have another young character. Playing young Olive is Samantha Bailey. She was Summer Newman on 83 episodes of The Young and the Restless from 2009 to 2012. That's really the height of her career, though. Episode 4. Frescorts. Emerson's mom comes to town just in time to help the team investigate the murder of an employee at a professional friendship service business. Chuck and Olive move in together after Olive comes back, but how long will it last? Remember, Olive can touch Chuck, and often does. Playing the role of Callista Cod, Emerson Cod's mother, Deborah Mooney, who looks absolutely nothing like Chai McBride, just pointing that out. But you probably remember her as Mrs. Anderson in 1989's Dead Poet Society or Evelyn Hunt on 12 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. One more name. Playing Randy Mann in this episode? David Arquette. And you know what that means. Yeah. His dad played Superfly Jimmy Stucco at Hulk Hogan's Rocket Wrestling. And also, let's not forget... David Arquette won the WCW title in 2000. That's what I was looking for. I got one more name here. Playing Ares Costopoulos, Colton Haynes, who you remember on MTV's Teen Wolf. He would play Jackson Whitmore. He's going to be in the Teen Wolf movie based on the series. Episode 5. Dim Sum, Lose Some. You dim some, you lose some. While the gang investigates a murder at the dim sum restaurant below Emerson's office, a woman from Emerson's past re-enters his life. Meanwhile, Olive and Chuck discovers that Ned has twin half-brothers. What? A couple of known names in this episode playing Dwight Dixon is Stephen Root from News Radio and King of the Hill. Oh, hold on. And Barry. And Barry. That's right. He was in Barry. And Office Space. Office Space. He was Milton. Don't touch his red stapler. I think he has my stapler. And Dodgeball. Let's not forget Dodgeball. And playing a role called Hua Jiang, Chow Li Chi, who played a Man Friday on a couple of seasons of Falcon Crest back in the day. But Christine Adams, one of the four wives of that one guy in that one episode in season one, she returns playing the same character, Simone Hunden. Oh, cool. Uh, you're talking about Joel McHale. Yes. Oh, she's actually been busy. She plays Lynn Pierce, or Lynn Stewart, or Dr. Lynn Stewart, in Black Lightning. Episode six. Oh, 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 it's magic. The team investigates the disappearance of the magician who took Ned's two half-brothers under his wing. Dwight Dixon comes to Lily and Vivian searching for a pocket watch, and Chuck tries to get Lily to confess that she's her mother. Playing the great Herman, the magician who disappeared, Fred Willard, who we talked about numerous times. 
and uh, Stephen Root returns as Dwight Dixon, and playing Gunther Pinker, Paula Tompkins. He spent one season as host of Best Week Ever and killed the franchise. No, he did not kill the show. It was not him that killed the show. It was a format change. Instead of being sort of like the I love the 70s or 80s where you've got different celebrities popping in and out, he was sort of like the central person, the main anchor, if you will. That was the reason it died. It was not his fault. And I'm going to go to my grave saying that. He did not kill the original run of Best Week Ever. Just saying. But also, and I'm pretty sure this is on the list, and dang it if this isn't, it better be on the list real soon. Because I remember Paul F. Tompkins. I can't say this with a straight face. This is such a, a, a horrible take. Where I remember Paul F. Tompkins, he hosted the Fusion series, No, You Shut Up. Don't tell me you guys have never heard of I've No, heard You of Shut it. Up. Oh, good, good. It's supposed to be a takeoff on cable panel shows with Muppets yes with Muppets I thought it was a brilliant show it lasted a number of seasons three four seasons apparently I was one of the few who enjoyed it I didn't say I didn't enjoy it I just say I remembered it anyway uh, and oh another name in this episode playing Alexandria Carrie Kenny Silver another person from Reno 911 and the state. Episode 7. Robbing Hood. The detectives connect the death of a millionaire to a modern day Robin Hood while also trying to figure out what Dwight is really up to. Gustav Hopper is the name of your millionaire. And playing Gustav Hopper, I believe we met this guy, Mike. We did. Shelley Berman. Legend. Not with us any longer, but legend. And playing his daughter, or his granddaughter, or some relation to him, Elise Hopper, Jennifer Elise Cox, a.k.a. Jan Brady from the Brady Bunch movie. This is like the fourth character we've talked about from the Brady Bunch movie in like the last two, three weeks. Because we mentioned like at least two, if not three characters when we did two of a kind and now we're talking about Jan. Collect all six. <laughs> Hold on. I mentioned dodgeball with Stephen Root. Did we not forget that Christine Taylor was in dodgeball? She played Marcia in the Brady Bunch movie. I just remember Gary Cole was also in dodgeball. And he played Mr. Brady in the Brady Bunch movie. One more thing I want to mention about Jennifer Elise Cox, because I know Greg will really appreciate this. Probably Chico, too. She was on an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Only the best episode ever. The Gang Beats Boggs. Oh, yes! Where they try to break Wade Boggs' 64 beer streak on a plane. Not the women's reboot, the original, yes. Oh, yeah. But let's not forget, in the women's reboot, Frank was feminist AF. Feminist AF, baby. Uh, We have another name. Playing Daniel Hill, Ethan Phillips. From both Benson and Star Trek Voyager. 
second consecutive show we've mentioned Ethan Phillips. Correct. Because remember, he was on an episode of Homeboys in Outer Space. But let's not also forget we mentioned him back in episode 150 and not another high school show. Yes, the one and only show that will ever mention Jennifer. No, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Oh, no. We're going to talk about Jennifer Lawrence in future entry. The episode of Monk where Jennifer Lawrence played a mascot. Because any excuse I can have to talk about Tony Shalhoub on this podcast, I'm going to take, damn it. Because as we all know, guys, Wings made Tony Shalhoub's career. Can you believe now it has been 66 episodes since the first time I mentioned I love Wings? I can't not believe it. Episode 8, Comfort Food. Chuck doesn't tell Ned that she kept her father alive after Ned brought him back, and Dwight Dixon dies because of it. Meanwhile, Ned and Olive are left to solve the murder of one of the contestants at a bake-off. Okay, so Charles Charles, who is actually Chuck Charles's father, played by Josh Randall in this episode. You know him from... Uh, Ed. But hey, two more names. A biggie. A biggie. Playing Leo Burns in this episode. Eric Stone Street. Yes, this would have been pre-modern family. Yeah, this would have been like a, a year, year and a half before modern family. Actually, less than that. This is aired December 3rd of 2008. So this would have been like nine months before modern family. Ten months. And also, playing the Widow Licken, Jolene Lutz. Mike, I believe you remember who Jolene Lutz is. Well, that was the other name I was going to mention. She played the sort of ditzy court reporter in the later seasons of Night Court. OG Night Court. OG Night Court, that's correct. I'm going to make a case for this guy. The Colonel Licken, her former husband, played by Tim Bagley, who played Peter in 32 episodes of Grace and Frankie and nine episodes of Monk and is currently on one episode of History of the World Part 2 on Hulu. Okay, if you don't mind me asking, how is that? It is really good. We're going to be talking about it at the end of the year, just saying. Episode 9, The Legend of Merle McQuaddy. Emerson and Olive investigate the murder of an infamous lighthouse keeper's wife while Chuck's father schemes to keep Ned and Chuck separated forever. Playing Merle McQuaddy in this episode, David Keckner, previously of Saturday Night Live, and playing Annabelle Vandersloop, these guys with their names, holy cow, Mary Kay Place from Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, among other things but mostly Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Person of interest on this episode, Elliot McQuaddy, played by Alexander Gould, who has been on Ally McBeal, Malcolm in the Middle, Law and Order SVU, and Supernatural before landing a role as Shane Botwin on Weeds. But mostly, this is the role that made his career. He was the role of Nemo in Finding Nemo. Episode 10, The Norwegians. While Ned and Chuck try to locate the whereabouts of Chuck's father, 
Vivian hires a crack team of Norwegian investigators to help find Dwight Dixon. By the way, should be known, Dwight Dixon is still dead. Or at least that's what everybody thinks. Hold on. Do you know what he has in common with General Franco? Still dead. They're both still dead! <laughs> oh, Craig. Oh, my. All right, so there are three Norwegians. Nils Nielsen is played by Michael Weaver, who is known as local officer Smee in Super Troopers and the warden in two episodes of The Walking Dead. Ivana Milicevich is Hedda Lillehammer, who was the voice of Striga in 20 episodes of Castlevania. But the most known of the Norwegians, Magnus Allsdotter, played by Orlando Jones. The man who made seven up yours. Oh, boy. Not just that. Oh, Mad TV. Yeah. And the replacements, yeah. And in an uncredited cameo as Ned's father, George Hamilton. And you know what that means, guys. He was Colonel Sanders in that one KFC commercial. Wasn't that great? And he played Colonel Sanders in that one KFC commercial. Oh, my. I'm really surprised you didn't try tying that in with a recipe for seduction. The 15-minute telenovela kind of sort of with Mario Lopez that was actually just a giant ad for KFC. Hold on. Have you ever heard of the game? I love you, Colonel Sanders. It is a game on Steam. It is like a... You know those game love novels? Those visual novels? Yeah, those visual novels. You are a character who is in love with Colonel Sanders. I'm sorry, I thought you were going to go Colonel Sanders. What are you, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Moving on. Episode 11. Window dressed to kill. Ned refuses to help Chuck and Emerson solve the murder of a department store window display artist and is forced to pose as Olive's fiance when Olive's childhood kidnappers arrive after they escape from prison. Okay, we have a whole lot of names, so try and keep up here. Playing Jerry Holmes, the uh, artist in question, Richard Benjamin. From future entry Quark, and he was the main hero in the Westworld movie. The original one. The original one, yes. Playing Roy Buster Bustamante, George Siegel. Legendary. Oh, yeah. Of course, you kids today would know him from the Goldbergs. But he would be coming off like a few short years from just shooting. Playing Dick Dicker, Willie Garson of Sex in the City. Or IP. And playing Coco Juniper, Constance Zimmer. Zimmer! Oh, God, really? You did it, yeah. not me. Well, yeah, we all know her from uh, Bojack Horseman, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Unreal. And 18 episodes of Good Trouble. And interestingly enough, this is the first of the final three episodes that were never broadcast in the U.S. during the initial run of the series, 
In fact, the episode never saw the light of day until Pushing Daisies was broadcast on German TV. Thank you, Germany. Episode 12, Water and Power. The death of the man who runs the local dam puts Emerson on a trail that leads back to his ex, and perhaps his long-lost daughter. Simone Hunden, a.k.a. Christine Adams, returns in this episode. And playing Detective Puget, Robert Picardin. Oh, the doctor from Star Trek Voyager. Correct. And many things. And many things, yes. And, hold on, he's in an episode of the new Quantum Leap, Robert Picardo. A very good episode, it's the Groundhog Day episode. And playing the role of the ex, Leela Robinson, Gina Torres. She's been in a number of things. She was in The Matrix Revolutions as Cass. She was in The Matrix Reloaded as Cass. She is still in 911 Lone Star as Tommy Vega, and she is the voice of Keeper Yenon in The Legend of Vox Machina. Oh yeah, and she did uh, something called Firefly, which led into something called Serenity. You may have heard of it. Yes. And we got one more name. In this episode playing Roland Raleigh Stingwell is Fred Williamson. We've talked about it in the past because he was on Half Nelson with Joe Pesci. That's right. And he was a guest star on Super Train. Yeah, and also he's one of those football players who successfully made the transition from pro sports, from football, to acting. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at the person who plays his wife. Amelia Stingwell, played by Francesca P. Roberts. She was in one episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Charlie Work, that's the name of the episode, season 10. But she played, oh, are we, am I really about to say this? She played Bertha in the 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie. Well, at the time of recording this, it is like a few days before the release of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Let's just say it's going to be way better than that. I will just simply say there's going to be no giant fish that I know of. Or nobody's going to say, ba-bomb. And the final episode, the aptly named Kerplunk. One half of Vivian and Lily's old rival synchronized swimming team. Remember, Vivian and Lily were actually a synchronized swimming duo called the Darling Mermaid Darlings. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Especially in a town called Kerr to Kerr. Anyway, one half of Vivian and Lily's old rival synchronized swimming team is eaten by a shark during a show. Uh oh. Uh oh. Which provides Vivian and Lily with an opportunity to revive their career. Question. Yes. Have you ever seen a synchronized swimming exhibition in anything but a pool? No. No. Thank you. That's all I wanted to ask. Hold on. Have I ever told you this story about 
what my dad wants to build around. I've told you about the moat around City Field, right? That my dad oh, wants. Of to course, build. yes, yes. But you know what he wants to have around the moat when they're not playing baseball? He wants them to have synchronized swimming in the moat. Oh my! Never change, Mister D. So there are a lot of names on this episode, so pay attention. Playing Coral Ramora, one half of the rival team, Wendy Malik. And Wendy Malik right now is on How I Met Your Father. She plays Valentina's boss on How I Met Your Father. But also, she's on the Apple TV Plus show, Shrinking, where she plays the Doctor to Harrison Ford's character on the show. Playing Blanche Ramora, Coral's partner and sister, Nora Dunn. Also a Saturday Night Live. Playing Sid Tanko, Wilson Cruz from Star Trek Discovery. No relation to Nelson Cruz. No relation. Good. We have another Mad TV alum on this episode playing Galveston Gust, Michael McDonald. That's Michael James McDonald, not the singer. Not just Michael McDonald. Not just Michael McDonald. Not just Michael McDonald. Hold on. Michael McDonald has also been on the newest season of How I Met Your Father. Please tell me you played Stuart. Please tell me you played Stuart. Please tell me you played Stuart. Oh, no. It's even worse. Chico, do you want to describe this episode to Mike? He's going to lose his shit. All right. So the episode in question is called The Reset Button, where... Future Sophie pretty much divulges that she has slept with everyone in her friend group. But here's the thing. After selling her portrait, Sophie recruits Jesse to help her impress the buyers. One of the buyers is Warren, who is just the absolute worst. He is a male rights activist. Like I said... He's the absolute worst. But tell what the plan was for Jesse. Tell the plan. He wanted Jesse to appear in one of his online videos, I think. I only saw it like last week, but it's just. But also, he was going to be. He was going to have something in common with McGruber. <laughs> he was going to be the cuckold of. Warren's videos. Jesse was going to be the cuckold to Warren's videos, which, like I said before, is the absolute worst. I'd rather see him play Stuart. Oh boy, yeah. I wish. Look what I can do. A couple more names in this episode that we really got to hurry. Jimmy Neptune is played by Joey Slotnick of The Single Guy, and Shane Trickle. Played by Josh Hopkins from Quantico, Cougar Town, Future Entry, Undateable, another Future Entry, Swing Town, another Future Entry, Pepper Dennis. Hey, any reason to talk about Brooke Burns? Okay. And that's the show. And we've been teasing this all the way to this point. Now we're going to talk about where it all went wrong. Because here we are, nine months since the season finale of season one, and now Pushing Daisies is back on Wednesday nights at eight. 
it is not the same schedule that Pushing Daisies was blessed with earlier. On CBS, The New Adventures of Old Christine. On the CW, America's Next Top Model. And on Fox, Bones and American Idol. Oh. And on NBC, we have another future entry. Knight Rider. So, yeah. Whereas in season one, the show rated in regularly with a 10 and 11 share. Season two struggled to get a five. And whereas regularly 10 million viewers watched, only regularly 4 million viewers watched. Sadly, the show that had so much promise in season one ended up becoming a victim of its own expectation in season two. In fact, I have some critical uh, notes here. Season one scored an 85 out of 100 on Metacritic saying that it was universally acclaimed. Season 2 garnered an 83 out of 100, also universally acclaimed. And Michael Oziello of TV Guide said that ABC has found its next lost. The series was touted as the Falls show with the most spring buzz. And that show was nominated for 57 awards, winning 18 of them, including 7 Primetime Emmy Awards. Barry Sonnenfeld won for Outstanding Directing for a comedy series. James Dooley won for that theme music that you heard at the top of the show. And the show also received three Golden Globe Award nominations for Best TV Series Musical or Comedy. But besides all of that, it was just a victim of the strike. It couldn't overcome the uh, time difference of that nine months. Brian Fuller himself said in a 2017 interview with Esquire, I hoped in the telling of this tale about pies and dogs and love and lost childhoods and reclaimed romance, we could find respite from what was essentially death, death, death. We're surrounded by death every day. If anything, it allows us to look with greater affection at the living moments rather than spending time wallowing in depression. Brian Fuller and Barry Sonnenfeld had hoped that Pushing Daisies could continue on in some sort of alternate media, like a comic book or a movie. And indeed, there was a comic book that was issued at 2007's San Diego Comic-Con, and for a while it was available to download online. It has since been removed. And here we are in the future, and no talk of a movie has surfaced. However, if you do want to watch all of the episodes of Pushing Daisies, you do have options. The entire series has been released by Warners on DVD and Blu-ray, and it's also available to stream now on HBO Max and is available to purchase on the streaming service of your choosing. So if you missed the three episodes that aired overseas before making their stateside debut, 
You can catch them right now. And if you go on iTunes, you can buy the entire series for $24.99. I spent more on less. And for a while, it was actually on Chiller, if you can believe that. So yes, you can catch Pushing Daisies however you want, wherever you want. You have options available to you. Pushing Daisies had so much promise and so much critical acclaim, and it had at least two fans in this Zoom room, but thanks to a little thing called the uh, strike, the writer's strike, that is, Pushing Daisies in 2008 went from a promising new series to just a thing on TV. Well, we hope you enjoyed our little Easter gift. And in the meantime, you can head over to grab some pies over at ItWasAThingOnTV.com where we have all of our episodes, all of our live streams, our mini-sodes, links to our socials. Remember, we are at ItWasAThingOnTV, except for Facebook, because apparently Mark Zuckerberg is a fan of cup pies, so he gave us It Was A Thing On TV podcast and don't forget we are available where all fine podcasts can be streamed like and subscribe rate and review five stars only because positive vibes only and if you're listening on youtube hit the notification bell so you can stay up to date on all of our future entries for example we have a mini-sode later this week as we celebrate the first full week of the new baseball season with crabs. It's not what you think. But let's just say. You gotta love this crab. Gotta love the crab. And continuing next week. In the baseball theme. One of our episodes. Is a special for Jackie Robinson Day. So something to look forward to there. But in between them we have. A person who had three wives. All of them got along with each other. Strangely enough. A live watch of a sequel that's not necessarily a sequel, but lightning is going to strike twice. And something we've been looking forward to for a long time. I'm not even going to make a hint about it. We're finally talking about going places, people. We've been hinting about it. We've been wanting to do it since episode one. Well, guess what? Next week. Yes. Because Succession season four is now on HBO. We are going to finally talk about going places. So you can stop knocking on the door while we're trying to have some us time. Thank you very much. All of that is in the weeks to come right here on It Was A Thing On TV. Thank you so much for listening. Please be kind to each other and we will see you for the next one. Wow! Wednesday at 8, 7 central. We don't touch. We can't. That's the most tragic story I've ever heard. Television's most unique show is going to the dogs. Murder for a few puppies. One dead husband. Who gave you the coffee? My wife. Four wives. Maybe there's something to this polygamy thing. Maybe one person isn't enough. And a threesome. One woman to have, one woman to hold. Make this mm-hmm. the pie maker's toughest case yet. Don't tell John. An all-new Pushing Daisies, Wednesday at 8, 7 central on ABC.